Oh, hello again. We're back. This is exciting. It's a brand new season. We have a brand new studio. We have a brand new format. And I'm so excited to welcome you back to the deep end. Okay, welcome in everybody. Uh, my name is Tim and I'm the host of the Deep End Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, we delve deeper into the matters of faith, Christian faith, the world we live in, talk about issues that matter. And as always, we have a guest or two joining us. So welcome into the studio with me, Josh Pereira. Hello. Hello. You all may know Josh Pereira from our weekend experience. He is one of our worship directors here at Waters Church. And we're so excited because this is a brand new day for the Deep End Podcast. If you're joining us on Facebook Live, let us know where you're from, where you're watching from. We'd love to find that out. Josh over here is going to be monitoring the Facebook comments. And I want to introduce you to the new space. So this is exciting. It's been a labor of love for about two months. Uh, a lot of work has been done by Josh Pereira and uh, Michael McGarry, Bria McGee, these people that are just amazing um, members of our team over here at Waters Church, and they put this thing together, this brand new state-of-the-art studio. Beautiful studio. Including this glowing logo behind me. Mm. So that's exciting. <laughs> Whenever you have a glowing logo, I think you've really made it. That's in my opinion. Okay, so the new studio. I want to give you a tour because I'm very excited about this. So join with me for a moment. First off, we have the desk where I'll be seating every sitting every week for the Deep End Studio, uh, this Deep End Podcast, talking about matters of faith. Over here again, we have the guest section. We'll probably have one or two guests every weekend, so nice couch with leather pillows. Um, and then over here, <laughs> over here we have our whiteboard. This is something new that we're going to do on the Deep End. We're going to whiteboard some stuff, and we're going to go through the book of Revelation this year. So Revelation, a lot of charts, a lot of imagery, a lot of... Yeah, things that you want to see. So that's going to be up here talking about the four views of Revelation in a couple of weeks. Excited about that. So that's happening up here on the uh, whiteboard. Uh, over here, I call this where the magic happens. This is our <laughs> deep end tech area. So Michael McGarry and Bria McGee, I call them the MacGyver twins. They make the magic happen. I'm telling you, they are brilliant. They do such a great job. So say hello to them. Over here, we have a bookshelf, just some decorative stuff. Remember Einstein from last season? There he is. He's back with us, the bobblehead, Martin Luther. Hopefully, he's repented of all that anti-Semitism. OK, over here, we got, if you remember, just some, some nostalgic stuff. Not, uh, hot topics, uh, what do you call this? Hot sauce. Still for sale, $19.95 per bottle. There you go. All right, so <laughs> you want to buy those? Uh, that's really ridiculous. Um, yeah, call now. Well, we're, we're so excited to have this new studio, this new space, upgrading uh, the experience of the deep end. And uh, I'm so happy that you've joined us. And I know that uh, many of you were looking forward to it being back. We look forward no longer. We are back. And by the way, we also have the deep end tumbler. Can we get that on screen? Look at that. The deep end tumbler. So that is the coolest thing. Wow. Oh, in focus. There we go. And uh, these are actually for sale, right? These are for sale. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how much, but we'll sell them. Anybody interested? Maybe you're interested. Contact us in the Facebook comments. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things that we're going to do new on the deep end is what we're going to call segments. So this is going to make the deep end a little bit more creative, a little bit more engaging, and hopefully you appreciate uh, these things. Basically, they're going to come up. Randomly, we're not going to do every segment every single week. We'll do one or two segments perhaps every week. And the segments are just to help us kind of uh, bookend portions of the deep end content. So today is an introduction back to the deep end. What is the deep end all about? What do we do here? And that's actually the topic of the conversation today. What the heck is the deep end? But before we get there, we're going to talk about some of the new segments. So, yeah. Josh Perera, let's run these segments down yeah, so for the audience. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just give them a list down and you can put up the graphics. All right. Yeah. For so first one's called... Uh, can I do that? Can I do that? How many remember Steve Urkel? <laughs> can I do that? Remember that? Did you ever watch that Family Matters TV oh, yeah. show? It was a great show. Yeah, remember when he used to turn into Stefan? Yeah. <laughs> he was so cool. Yeah, that, that's proof positive that anybody can transition into a cool person with a little bit of work <laughs> and Hollywood makeup. Um, but 
can I do that as a segment discussing what is uh, what can Christians do with their liberty? A lot of Christians have questions about their liberty. What's allowed? What's not allowed? So we'll do segments like that. Next segment. Uh, we got give me that context. Give me that context. This is going to be a labor of love for me because I always hear passages of the Bible taken out of context and um, people using the Bible in a way that was never meant to be used. And so we're going to talk about, well, you heard this from the Bible, this passage of Scripture, but what's the context so that we understand what God is saying instead of just assuming that God is saying something to us and yeah. not actually originally to the audience from 2,000 years ago. Do you have ago. any kind of like an example verse? Oh, yeah. Uh, the example verse that I would say, one of the, one of the most popular verses out there is uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Uh, wow. That is one of the most often taken out of context verses. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Steph Curry has all, made a uh, possible, has made that a, a very popular statement today. I can do all things. People have shortened it now, so they got rid of through Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I can do got anything down. I want to. Do. I can do all things, and it's on his t- he's on his uh, shoes and all that stuff. And Steph Curry is a Christian. I'm not gonna I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying that sometimes we lift these passages out of context and we cause more confusion confusion than is necessary. So that's give me that context. Next up, next up, Josh. Uh, we got Mythbusters. Mythbusters. So sometimes we believe things as Christians. And we think they're true, and it's not true, and it does a lot of harm, and we can go years, decades even, thinking, oh, this is true, because somebody said it to me one time in a Bible study 30 years ago, and so I've been holding on to this promise for 30 years, but maybe the promise actually isn't true, and so we're going to bust, bust some popular Christian myths. Yeah, like... Do you, uh, do you have an example? Yeah, like God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. That sounds like you prepared that one. Yeah, you yeah, were I, I, I've been thinking about it. You know, it's tough <laughs> to get not off the, the level of, of your scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> so, By the way, we got a comment saying that it, um, mic levels on this side of the room are a little low. Mic levels are low. We will yeah. pump. So let's pump it up. We will pump those up. Blah, blah, okay. Blah. So the next segment that we are talking about is... Next segment is uh, Pastor Recommends. Pastor Recommends. Pastor Recommends is going to be an opportunity for me to talk to you about things that I would recommend. Books, mm-hmm. movies... Um, videos, restaurants, fashion, restaurants and fashion. Of course, I mean, <laughs> of course, honestly, man. look at me for a second. Come okay. on, honestly, that beard, beard oils. Beard, I was just going to say the beard. <laughs> if you need help grooming your beard, come to me. <laughs> the deep end. It's important that you drink plenty of water. Yeah. Keep your beard hydrated. Okay. So that's that segment. Next, Next segment. Is, uh, called politic. Politic. This one I'm very excited about because <laughs> politics is like an unavoidable issue in today's world. Everybody seems to be interested in bloviating about their political point of view. And so why should I be an exception? It's my chance to bloviate about <laughs> politics and tell you uh, what, what's ridiculous out there. And, and there's plenty of opportunities to, <laughs> to find those things. Uh, politics. Many people get so, uh, so worked up, so mad about politics. But really, our politicians are just... Uh, the amplification of ourselves. I think that's the way it is anyway. Uh, uh, politics just kind of reflects back onto America, the ridiculousness of America, and we need to chill out about some stuff. But we also need to, as Christians, address some things that need to be addressed that are completely out of the bounds of Christian living. So that's yeah. politics. Next up. All right, next one up is called uh, Shane on the Street. Yes, Shane on the Street. Now, we haven't told Shane about this, but we're going to send him <laughs> out onto the street. Shane is... Um, onto the street. Let me give some context for that. Yeah. Uh, Shane is our executive pastor here at, at Waters Church, and he's going to do some segments of people interviewing them on the street live. So, well, yeah. maybe not live, pre-recorded, and ask them questions. We want to know what what's on the street. What's the word in the street? So, uh, you know who did this a lot was Jay Leno, jaywalking. You remember that segment? Yeah, and uh, Letterman has a one, uh, Billy on the street. Yeah. yeah. So this is very common for <clears throat> talk shows and that sort of thing, and that's yeah. what we're going to do here. Uh, with Shane on the street. Shane, hmm. looking forward to it, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Next segment. Next one's called Ask Anything. Ask Anything. And that is pretty self-explanatory. The number is up there on the screen. It is anonymous, people, so don't worry. We it is anonymous. Yes. Like some people on the Facebook, they have no problem on the Facebook comments. No problem. <laughs> trolling. Yeah, well, trolling or asking us questions publicly. And the problem with that is maybe you have a sensitive question you don't want to ask on Facebook and see all your friends can see your comments and all of us can see your comments. So we get it. Here's an opportunity for you to ask anonymously. You text to any question about the content of the deep end or about Christian living in general, something that you've seen in the news, something that you don't understand. 
508-316-9333. Totally safe, totally private, totally anonymous. Yes. We will only sell your phone number to advertisers. Okay. <laughs> Help fund the deep end. All right. And then the last segment I will introduce myself. This is called Deep End News. So every week I, I want to do a little bit of a news rundown because I think that sometimes we need to see what's happening in the world and just talk about it from a Christian perspective. Uh, talk about news that is relative to the Christian experience. Uh, what it means to follow Jesus in a day and age in which news is uh, relentless. And uh, today I've got some stories. So uh, are you ready for some cool stories from the news? I hope yeah, you are ready. Yeah, come on, let's go. All right. Did you hear about this? An Indonesian boy, 19-year-old boy from Indonesia. His name is Aldi Novel Adelang. He survived 49 days adrift at sea in a floating hut. Because it was tethered, I guess it was tethered to the dock, uh, and then heavy winds and heavy waves uh, broke the rope, and he was shot off from shore far faster than he could uh, recover from. Anyway, he was out on the sea for 49 <laughs> days. I think he traveled 175 kilometers, huh. um, scared to death. Uh, he survived by eating fish that he caught and drinking seawater that he filtered through his clothing. For 49 days. That's an amazing story. Mm, that is crazy. Anyway, the reason why I bring up this story is because when, new, when local news outlets interviewed the boy, he said he thought he was going to die, and he considered uh, suicide by jumping into the ocean to end his misery, but he said he found comfort in, guess what, in a Bible. There was a Bible on board. Uh, he found it, started reading it, and he took his parents' advice to pray in times of trouble. So, saved by the word of God once again. You know, I wonder what version did he have on the sea? Like, I'm picturing this kid on the ocean. I'm thinking it's the Mariner's Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the preface of that Bible says, before jumping, read this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how cool is that, that the Bible kept him alive, kept him alive with hope, and if you don't have hope, I don't know what you have. So that is a, that's just a cool story in the news. I'm, I'm really excited to share that with you. Uh, the Bible is life and peace. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, in other news, the divorce rate is dropping thanks to millennials. Ooh, we finally got something right. You did. <laughs> Here's a trophy. Let's go. <laughs> Demographers or demographers, whatever you call them, um, have found out that the American divorce rate has been dropping. It's been dropping for a while, but evidently it's dropping very fast right now because the divorce rate amongst uh, millennials is is by far one of the lowest on recent record for any generation. So that's really cool. According to Bloomberg News, Gen X and millennials are pickier about who they marry, trying or tying the knot much older uh, when education, careers, and finances are on track. And the result is a divorce rate that has dropped from 18% in 2008 to, uh, it has dropped 18% from 2008 to 2016. Uh, by the way, the boomers... Boomer generation. I don't know if you're into all that generational stuff, but the boomers, the older people, I guess you call them grandparents today, who gave us the so-called sexual revelation, revolution of the 1960s are still divorcing at a historically unprecedented rate all the way into their 60s and 70s. 70s? 70s. Getting divorced in your 70s. I think at that point, why don't you just hang on for dear life, for heaven's <laughs> sakes? You're 70. Who's going to marry you? Nobody's going to want that, man. <laughs> I don't know. Unless you're a rich billionaire. I mean, honestly. Like <laughs> Hefner or something. <laughs> well, he's dead. But, he is dead. But, but this, is, this is really interesting because it's a funny thing that the uh, older generation, again, they gave us a sexual revolution, right? Yeah, free sex, free love, no mm. rules. Uh, cast, cast off those Christian, Judeo-Christian restraints on sexual morality. We're going to do what we want with our bodies. And, and they're the ones getting divorced most often. And they're paying for it, man. And there's plenty of research that shows uh, that sex outside of marriage leads to higher divorce rates amongst couples. If you had sex outside of marriage with other people or with the person that you were going to marry and then you got married, uh, it's, it's not a harbinger for staying together. Actually, it's a harbinger for not staying together. So the Bible is right again. Stay pure, stay chaste, stay out of that bed until you're married to somebody, and yeah. and then have all the fun in the world. You happen but, to have the uh, you happen to have the the study that you were looking at this this. Uh, it's on Bloomberg Bloomberg News. Bloomberg I, you can News. search for it. Just check it out. A, yeah. a divorce rate dropping. Why did somebody ask for that? 
But anybody that oh, has okay. any questions about uh, the study. Now, speaking of sex, good news, children. Muppets <laughs> don't have sex. This is good news for you young people. <laughs> the big news out of Sesame Street is producers affirmed the fact that things made out of fabric meant to entertain children are not actually sexually active at all. They actually don't even have the parts to be sexual. So Bert and Ernie, friends, are not gay. <laughs> you know. Uh, I didn't uh, even think they, they were. They slept in separate beds. They man. slept in separate beds, right? Yeah. You know, they didn't. It, I don't know. It's very strange. Yeah, very. But evidently, there's a big fuss about this. Um, the, one of the Sesame Street writers, Mark Salzman, who is gay, suggested on a website called Queerty, which is not a website that I'm interested <laughs> in going to. I'm going to take the word for it here, their word for it here. Um, yeah. The uh, that they he suggested they're gay. The show's producers came out with a tweet. They said, "Look, as we have always said, Bert and Ernie are best friends. They were created to teach preschoolers that people could be good friends uh, with people who are very different than themselves." Even though they are identified as male characters and possess many human traits and characteristics, they remain puppets. <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Thank you for that man. clarification. They remain puppets. I, I didn't know that people could transition from puppet to human and then maybe back to puppet. Right, look at that, that, that unibrow on And, and they don't have a sexual orientation after all. <laughs> no so parts. anyway, thank you, um, Sexual Revolution, for trying to make beloved cloth people gay. <laughs> but no thanks. <laughs> They don't have sex. Puppets and, don't as have it parts. should be. I don't want my puppets having sex, yeah. just to be honest with you. Um, and then <laughs> lastly in the news, T.S. Eliot mm. would be 130 years old today. Happy birthday, T.S. Eliot, September 26th. Uh, playwright, poet, the essayist. Way, the Wasteland. Social man. critic and strong Christian. Mm. And uh, yeah, The Wasteland. The Wasteland. And you said you read that. I did. Very good. I did. I'm impressed. Thank you, sir. But this man uh, <laughs> it was a great cultural shaper of the last century, and uh, he said these famous words, Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? And uh, that, is a, that was a prophetic quote, because, I mean, he died in 1965, way before the uh, technological revolution, the, in, the Internet age. And he's basically saying, look, too much information is not a good thing. Sometimes it can skew <clears throat> your wisdom. Yeah. Which brings me to... The next segment, what the heck is the deep end? So welcome back. Welcome back. What is this? What do we try to do here on the deep end? And I thought that to start this season, that's what we would address first and foremost. Hopefully, you're going to join us every week, either on YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, and listen in or on the podcast, uh, on your podcast app. Uh, we want you to be here every week. The deep end started in August of 2017. We are now over a year old. Uh, it started because I like doing those <clears throat> Facebook minutes for our church, mm. and uh, I thought, wow, that's a really this is a really cool opportunity to go to where people are at. You know, Jesus tells the church to go, to go to the people. He doesn't tell the church to tell the people to come to us. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So we're not actually called to go and say, hey, come to our church. We're actually go, called to go to the people where they are and tell them about Jesus. That's what the deep end exists for. The deep end is to get out there where you are. Where are you right now? You might be in your bedroom. You might be in your living room. You might be in your dining room. But you are on a computer or a device that is helping you see right now what we're talking about. We've come to you. We've come to that place, that marketplace, the highways and the byways that Jesus talked about in the parable of the wedding banquet. When the king sends the servants out to the wedding uh, to invite people to the wedding banquet as, as an illustration of uh, the church's work in the kingdom age, um, he says, go out to the highways and the byways and compel people to come. So um, who knew that Jesus was talking about the digital highway? And the digital highway is the internet. And so we are coming to you to tell you what God's word says. And the other thing is that I also saw that there was a huge need for uh, biblical instruction in today's gen generation. Uh, and once a week on Sunday just isn't going to do it. Yeah. You need more Bible teaching. Uh, Bible literacy is at an all-time low in America, which is a problem. Yeah. And the reason why that's a problem is because people's values will be shaped by something if it is not the Scriptures. And all that we enjoy, much of what we enjoy in America, such as uh, public education, such as the justice system, such as the separation of powers in our government, such as limited government, 
are all byproducts of Christian belief and Christian faith. Many people don't know that. Even our Constitution is largely shaped by the Judeo-Christian ethic. Um, so anyway, that's what the deep end is for. The deep end is to come out and tell you how to live as Christians in the world. And the other thing about the, uh, the deep end is this. This is one of my, you know, one of the things that I strive to, to, get, out, to, to get the word out on is this. Christians need to know more than the Bible. Yeah. That's, yep. That sounds antithetical to Christians, and especially someone like me, a pastor, but you do. You need to know more than the Bible. You need to not just know the Bible. You need to know what the, what's happening in the world, and then you also need to know, how, does that, how do I respond to what's happening in the world? What, in, what is the Christian response to what we are seeing presently happening in our society? Mm-hmm. And that is my hope that when you come to the deep end, we will help demystify that. And we will do that based on the scriptures and not just my hypothesizing. By the way, you mean by that you have to know things other than the Bible, not more than right. the Bible. Right. Yeah. Well, more than the Bible. Yeah, other than the Bible. Because right. the, the Bible helps us to know how to live, but we have to know what's happening in order to respond properly and biblically. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. Yep. So this is the other thing that I, I wanted to share with you guys. And this, this, is, this is true. Being a Christian... Uh, in New England, we're located in Massachusetts, and uh, you know we're Christians in New England. I like to think of it like this: we are ahead of the curve on a very difficult test that is coming upon the West, mm. and the West being the non-communist part of the world, the Western part of the world, as as a result of Judeo-Christian philosophy. Uh, these are Westernized, freer countries. We call that the West. Okay, so Europe, well, Western Europe, and the Americas, and so in New England, though. New England is like the, I think, is the harbinger of things to come for the rest of the country because New England is post-Christian. New England has moved, in, in, in sad fact, away from Christian moorings that have helped shape our country in so many respects. Uh, we are more towards Europe than we are the rest of the country. You go down to the Bible Belt, you go down to Texas, I have this happen to me all the time. You go down to those areas and you tell them you're from New England and they immediately, their eyebrows go up. <laughs> wow. Wow, you're from New England. I didn't even know there were still Christians out there. <laughs> I mean, yes, there are. So we are here, uh, but we are in an advantage of being at that cusp of transition where the world around you will be growing more and more unchristian and you as a Christian more is going to be required of you. You're going to have to know how to live in this world as a Christian faithfully. So for instance, let me, let me just talk about something that really uh, troubles me. And I hope by the end of our talk here, it'll trouble some of you. But the University of Chicago just put out a study that in 2018, uh, 44% of 18 to 34 year olds would rather live in socialism. 44% of younger people would rather live in socialism. Now, uh, (coughs) truth be told, this is not something uh, terribly new. Uh, The younger generation usually tends toward some kind of welfare state because why? (laughs) Because up until 18, mom and dad took care of you. Now you're on your own. Who's going to take care of me? And it takes a little while. We call that adolescence, the period of adolescence where you transition from who's going to take care of me to Forget that. I'm going to take care of myself. Right. Right. And, and it takes time. Some people, it takes them you know, 15 years to grow out of that. God help their parents, you know. <laughs> but there's a lot of people, they stay in that, that adolescent, uh, what do you call it, quicksand, where they just get so stuck uh, being uh, helpless. And then they suddenly wake up and they realize, wait a second, I could make some money for myself. I could get my own a place. I could get my own life together. And they start to make money. And then they turn into a little bit less socialist and more into free market people. And they start to think, wait a second, to the younger generation coming up from behind them is earn it just like I did. Right. Yeah. And that's how it should work. Like the older generation should be like, wait a second, earn it. Cause we did. And then the younger generation would be sitting there saying, no, I don't want to earn it. Take care of me. And so they're a little bit more trendy towards socialism and the government helping you. Uh, but today it seems like this is louder and more forceful in our generation that there's a lot of young people. They want to see fairness, equality, uh, equality of Everything, equality of income, equality of opportunity, equality of rights, equality of equality, equality, equality. The, 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 the fundamental fact of life, if you've lived more than five seconds, is that life is not fair. And it is impossible to give every person on the earth the same exact experience. <laughs> Life sucks, get a helmet, man. Yeah, life sucks, get a helmet. But the other thing is, is that Jesus even talks about this in this parable, is that there are several people that have five talents. There are some people that have two talents. There are some people that have one talent. 
That's just how it is. There's a distribution of opportunities and abilities and even money that is not equal. Some people, and this is just a fact of life, some people, you give them a lot of money, they'll spend it before the day is done. <laughs> yeah. You give other people a lot of money, they'll invest it, they'll make more money. That's just how it is. God knows this. This is why God is not a socialist. He gives some to some who know how to use it, and he gives some little to those who don't know how to use it. I mean, that is just how it is. Jesus said, to whom, to whom, to he who has, more will be given. And to he who thinks he has, even what he has will be taken from him. And that is not a socialist program. Anyway, I'm not saying that capitalism is the answer, because I, I think, like Winston Churchill said, capitalism is the worst form of uh, market economy, except for all the others. <laughs> okay, so anyway... The point is uh, that the younger generation seems to be more in love with this idea of equal, equal, equal. And the reason why we're hearing more and more of it is because of the, what I call it, the Facebook-Google um, boom. And, and that is, here's what we have, Facebook and Google. Y you've got 25-year-old to 30-year-old guys becoming billionaires and having lots of money. And then not just lots of money, but they have lots of cultural and social capital. Uh, and, and then, of course, they've both these companies have been brought through the ringer now lately, oh, yeah. recently, because of the fake news, uh, you know, problem. And um, they're not they're not ciphering out fake news sources. And now they're trying to kind of recoil or or uh, undo some of the problems that they created. But anyway, you have these young people and they have a lot of this money and a lot of the social capital. And so they speak a little bit louder to this and they start to shape the culture around this idea that everything needs to be equal and fair. But. It's just not possible. It's just not possible. And what happens is uh, when, when the younger members of society have that much cultural pull, what happens is something that C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. Mm. Chronological snobbery. What do I mean by that? C.S. Lewis termed this, this phrase, and uh, here's how he defined it. It's the uncritical acceptance of the intellectual climate common to our age and the assumption that whatever has gone out of date is on that account discredited. In other words, uh, because people who lived before us did things that we now know are wrong, we can now trust them in nothing. Chronological snobbery. But we don't understand that that is snobbery because all you are doing is you are living in a time they didn't have an opportunity to live in. And if you lived in that time, you probably would have had the same assumptions that they had about right and wrong hmm. that now have proven false. For example, smoking. Smoking. Yeah. In the 1950s, doctors were prescribing cigarettes to their patients to help them calm down. Okay, now do we do we now say because we know that smoking is harmful? Do we now say that all 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 uh, doctors are idiots? Don't listen to anything they say. No. Okay, that would be chronological snobbery because they did something in the past that was wrong, and we have learned now that they were wrong. Then does not now mean that they are eternally wrong forever. So. Uh, J.I. Packer talks about this. It's called the heretical spirit. He calls it the heretical spirit of our age, which holds that the newer is truer, what is recent is decent, and every latest word must be hailed as the last word on a particular subject. So here's another example of chronological snobbery. A couple of years ago, 2016, the president of the University of Virginia sent out an email to the students and to the, to the student body and the, and the faculty. And in the email, she quotes Thomas Jefferson. So... What happens? She gets a letter signed by 469 students and faculty members saying, in the future, please do not use Thomas Jefferson in any correspondence to us. And the reason why... <laughs> no, no way. Yes, and the reason why is because Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Oh, my gosh. So because so Thomas Jefferson did that wrong thing back then, we are now so much smarter than him, and now everything else that he said is to be disregarded. <laughs> oh, my the, prob <laughs> the problem is the University of Virginia was started by Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> so, so every day these kids go to school, they are learning somewhat from Thomas Jefferson. If people um, only knew, man, Martin Luther, there's so many. Oh, man, oh, yeah. I was gosh. talking about it over there, Martin Luther. Hopefully yeah. hopefully he repented of his um, anti-Semitism. Yeah. You know, I mean, but what he provided to the church is still valid because, right. I mean, not the anti-Semitism stuff, but the stuff about uh, salvation by grace through faith right. is essential to Christian practice and living to still to this day. What I'm saying is that we have to be careful in our generation to just eliminate the things that have come before us to, for, at the, uh, for the sake of the things that are coming ahead of us. 
we have to remember that every generation is going to get a lot of stuff wrong. Every generation is going to get some stuff jacked up. Yeah, I mean, and, and you could probably compare this to even uh, figures in the Bible, right? Like, if, if we just looked at David and said, you know, he made that one big mistake, so the rest of the Well, he knew that was wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, does, but it doesn't discredit everything else that he. That yeah, he did. I, the thing is that that uh, even the Bible. Well, I'll say like this: that the Bible does talk about the fact that when the people who were outside of the law died outside of the law, they will be judged apart from the law. So they're not going to be judged based on what they did not know or have a chance to not know. Right. Or have a chance to know. So that's how God has always worked. Anyway, we gather more information as we grow. I get it. We're always changing. We're always, you know, coming up with new ideas, and we're always coming up with new rights and wrongs. But let us not fall into this trap where just because some people in California have a lot of money and a lot of social capital, that everything that, you know, is old is to be disregarded. Right. You know, the scripture says this, and I love this passage, is Proverbs 23, verse 10. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless. Now, he's not talking about don't go over to people's houses when dad left. No, he's not talking about that. What he's talking about, though, is that there is something to be valued by those ancient landmarks. There is something to be valued by people who honor their fathers, and you can have a spiritual father. So these people that have no spiritual fathers, these people that have no spiritual guidance from those who have gone before them, watch out for those people. These people that deny that there could be any wisdom from those who came before us. Because then you get to the point where whatever happened before is outdated and wrong, and whatever happens now is true and to be trusted. So this is happening in our public school system, by the way. And you know me on the deep end. I talk a lot about the public schools. The reason why is because I have public school-educated children who are coming back from school almost uh, every other month and telling me something else that the public school has taught them that is counter to our faith, you know. <laughs> Uh, and and you have to uh, under you have to be aware of this, Christian. Uh, the 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 schools that you went to, uh, your children are not going to uh, if they're in the public schools. I was in public schools, and they had ministers at award ceremonies. They had ministers at PTA meetings, praying, opening up in prayer. Okay, this is twenty years. Really? No, that was thirty years ago now. No, no, not no. What is it? <clears throat> twenty five years ago. <laughs> you don't have to tell. It's all right. Whatever. Long time ago. And we had this guy opening up in prayer. That's gone. Those days are over. And wow. everything that we thought was right about that, now we consider that wrong and separation of church and state. And I get all that. I understand that. But now you have things like the walkout after the Parkland school shooting last year in Florida. And so these students all walk out, you know, and, and what are they protesting? They're protesting violence against students, but they're walking out of their school where they are safer into public spaces where who knows what could happen. And, and, and so I, because I'm a pain in the neck, I don't know if you know that, Josh, but I'm a pain in the neck. No, you I, I am. So I go, to the, I go to the PTA meeting that they had in my town uh, to discuss the, the safety measures that they're ta- putting no, no, in place. You, you went to the, the PTA meeting of the town. Of the town went. that I live in. Yeah. It wasn't a PTA meeting. It was a, it was a uh, they were just going to talk about the safety procedures that they have in place for the students. But this was after the walkout. Yeah. So I have these kids, my kids, don't do the walkout. Mm. All right. And and they and I respect them for that. But they were like the only kids in their entire class that didn't walk out. Now, what does that tell you? Do all those kids that walked out care about gun violence? No, they want to get out of class. A lot of them do. <laughs> I will not disparage them, but many of them just wanted to break from school. Who didn't want to break from school? Oh, yeah. I mean, heavens, if these were happening when I was in school, I would have walked out in five seconds. Absolutely. You know, no more teacher, no more books, no more, no more, no, no more schoolwork, no more books, no more teachers, dirty looks. Ah. Remember that? Anyway. (laughs) So anyway, my student, my kids, they stayed. And uh, they were they were shamed, actually, by some of their friends. Like, what? What, You don't care about dead kids? No, they care. They're just not going to walk out. They're going to be in school where they should be because that's how it should go. Anyway, I go. I kind of like ask some questions at this meeting and. I can tell that I'm kind of irritating them a little bit and everything. Uh, so that happened. And uh, I, I told you, I'm a pain in the neck. Did you Have, say you, you stood up at this I meeting? stood up. I talked. I said, look, my <laughs> kids were shamed. This is ridiculous. You guys are trying to take on bullying. But at the same time, while you're trying to take on bullying, letting these kids walk out, my kids get bullied for not walking out. So you know what I'm saying? And, and anyway, after the meeting, I had some people come up to me. And I remember they said this. They said, thank you for saying that. Like six of them out of the whole crowd. Six of them. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for standing up. There was a lot of kids that were like your kids, but they still walked out because they were too ashamed to not walk out. They wanted to, they didn't want to stand for what they believed. It's just yeah. easier to go with the crowd. But the point is this. 
I said, why did they allow it? I mean, honestly, this is not safe for students to just walk out of school when we just had a school shooting. Right. So the, I'll never forget, the, one of the guys who's on the school committee meeting said they had to walk out. They had to let it happen because there was no stopping it anyway. In other words, we, can't, we can no longer control the younger generation. The younger generation is going to do what they want, and we have no say. This is not a good movement, in my opinion. This is not a good trajectory for society. The elders are to be respected. And I do mean this in uh, communities. I mean this for the church. I mean this for uh, politics. I think we have to have some deference. We have lost the ability to show deference to those who have come before us. No discipline. There's no fear. There's no respect. I, it's ridiculous. So this is where we're getting. Uh, this is where we're. This is the point to, to which we are coming, and it is. It is really uh, growing more and more. What I call antagonistic. Yeah. Antagonistic to Christian faith. Antagonistic to values that matter for life and health. So this brings me to what the heck is the deep end? Here's what the deep end is all about. The deep end exists. Okay, this is the mission statement. To help you navigate faithful Christian witness in a world growing averse to Christian faith. The world is getting less and less happy about Christianity. Now, yeah. people say, I don't think that's true, Pastor. I think, I think Christians are well accepted. In this country, maybe they are, but not in every other country. Not in every other country. I just want to run down some things. You need to understand what's happening in the world, and hopefully the deep end will help do that for you. In China right now, they are burning Bibles and crosses and shutting down non-state-sanctioned churches. Did you know that? I did not know that. Wow. Burning Bibles. In 2018, there's a country right now burning Bibles. This is crazy. They are banning baptisms and religious artwork depicting Christ. In Myanmar, they are burning churches to the ground right now, as we speak. In India, the government is cracking down on religious help services and missionary programs. We know this personally because we support Man of Missions over there in India, and they are fighting a legal fight for their life to stay alive. Yeah. Uh, in Russia, not alive physically, alive not in alive. ministry. As an organization, yeah. In Russia, evangelism is now illegal. Did you know that? No. Vladimir Putin when put was, the kibosh on sharing the gospel. When was that? A couple uh, years ago. Yeah. Actually, maybe about a year ago. Anyway, it's illegal to tell people about Jesus outside of the church buildings huh. in Russia. Uh, in Nigeria, in the last six months, this is really bad. In Nigeria, in the last six months, 6,000 Christians have been killed or maimed in ongoing violence by Muslim extremists, including attacks in July on at least a dozen villages near Jos that killed more than 200 people and has displaced 1,300 Christians. Christians are under attack all over the world. Uh, in Europe, Christian intolerance is on the rise. The freedom of speech, the freedom of conscience, and parental rights of Christians in Europe are regularly disregarded. I found this in the news. Eleanor Grinmark, she's a Christian midwife in Sweden. She had to find work outside of Sweden to support herself because she refused to participate in abortions as a Christian. This is, this is what's happening all around the world. As Islam grows in Europe, anti-Christian sentiment follows. Germany is right now starting to refuse asylum to former Muslims who convert to Christianity. Did you know that? Germany will not allow people into their country who are former Muslims converted to Christianity just because of their Christian faith. Really? Yes, this is happening right now. People, don't, people aren't aware how good we've got it in man, America. America's pretty fluffy, man. Huh? Yeah, and uh, how about in Canada? In Canada, if you do not, this is, this is going to rub people, some, some people the wrong way. I get it. In Canada, if you do not support your child's desire to transition to the opposite sex because of your Christian views, there's a law on the books right now, the state can take away your child. In Canada? In Canada. That's just a few hundred miles to the north of us. I was right say, that's like another like normal country. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was a normal country. Yeah. I don't know what's Jeez. happening over there. Maybe the water's too cold. I don't know, but they're losing their mind. <laughs> um, in America, the heat is getting turned up little by little. We're, we're the frog in the kettle. That's what we are. We're the frog in the kettle. It's just going to grow a little bit worse and worse as we continue on in this trajectory. Um, you know, right now we're very free. We allow a Christian faith. We, we allow Christian ministry. The question is, will it stay that way? Will it stay that way? Christian morals and beliefs are regularly mocked in pop culture, regularly mocked. You can mock Jesus Christ in any art form all the time in this country, and you can win awards for it, Jeez. right? You cannot mock Muhammad. Yeah. They'll never mock Muhammad. There are a bunch of cowards over there in Hollywood. They'll mock Jesus until the cows come home, but Muhammad's off limits. Nope, can't do that. Why? Because it's an anti-Christian sentiment that in, 
invades the culture. Catholic charities, this is interesting about America right now. What's happening right now in America is Catholic charities are shutting down their adoption programs because they, in good conscience, cannot give children to same-sex partners. And because of the state laws now, uh, they have to either give children to same-sex parents or shut down, and the Catholics are shutting down their adoption agencies. We lose friends in this equation. America loses in this equation. I don't, I don't agree with everything Catholics do, but let them do what they feel is right according to their faith. Right. And they are Christian brothers and sisters in many respects. This is what's happened. The world, you have to understand, has always been hostile to the ways of God. The world has always had a penchant for Christian hostility. This is nothing new. Our Savior was put on a cross. He said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. Don't be shocked. Christians are always shocked. I can't believe people don't like me because I'm a Christian. Why, why are you shocked? You didn't read what Jesus said. He told us, this is what's going to happen. In this world, you will have trouble. You will be hated. Yeah. Matthew 24, verse 9. Look at this passage. Matthew 24, verse 9. Jesus says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated. Look at that word. By all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus said, listen, this is going to happen. You're going to be hated. The world's going to hate your faith. They're going to hate what you stand for. This is nothing new. And we need to be ready for it. And that's what the, that's what the deep end is for. Deep is for how do we read the Bible? How do we read our culture? How do we put those things together? And how do we live faithfully as Christians in a world that is going to grow ever more increasingly hostile to what we believe and hold dear? So that's the deep end's point. That's the deep end's mission for existence. And this year, I'm excited because we are doing a book study. Last year, we did 1 Corinthians, and that was a very fun book to go through. This year, we are taking oh, 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 on an intense book. We are going to talk about the book of Revelation. Ooh. Baptists said amen. Yeah, the Baptists and the Pentecostals and the Dispensationalists and all those people who get excited <laughs> about finding out who is the Antichrist. <laughs> oh, man. So welcome, friends. This is the last segment we're going to do today, and we've only got about eight minutes to talk about it. So let's get into it. This is the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. That was really cool. <laughs> hats off to Monty Python. <laughs> yes, Monty Python-esque. We're going to talk about Revelation this year on the deep, and hopefully by the beginning of summer 2019, we will be wrapping it up. We will take our time. We will go through this. Remember the deep end. Part of the deep end is, actually the main event of the deep end is, verse by verse study through a book of the Bible. Yeah, Bible and, study in your time. And Bible study in your time. So we get a chance, really, to dig a little deeper. That's the word deep end into the scripture and do these longer book studies, uh, which I don't want to do necessarily on the weekend because it, it, after a while it gets a little bit redundant. But on the deep end, we have the opportunity to go through longer books, First Corinthians and now Revelation, 22 chapters. Uh, today, we're going to get as far as verse 3. <laughs> so, like I said, we're going to take our time. Uh, let's, let's take a look at the first verse. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. All right. Revelation is just that. It is a revelation. And notice, it is not revelations. <laughs> a lot of people make that mistake. The it book is, of revelations. The book of revelations. <laughs> you got you to say it with an Italian accent. Hey, let's talk about the book of revelations. <laughs> hey, uh, you think Nikolai Karpathy is going to be in the uh, <laughs> book Karpathy. of revelations? <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a reference to... Christian pop culture from the <laughs> 1990s right there. That was my punishment as a child. Yeah, you, you were telling me about it. The Left Behind book series. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I just want to let everybody know in the deep end, if you are a fan of Left Behind, you are going to be sorely disappointed by our treatment <laughs> of the book of Revelation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, uh, you, you, you mean my clothing's not going to be folded neatly with the shoes on top when, when we all get taken up into the clouds? Well, I don't know about the fold neatly thing, but well, I believe in the rapture. Yeah. But it's not mentioned in Revelation. That's, what, that's the funny thing. Huh. Yeah. Wow. A lot oh, of boy. things that we think are mentioned in Revelation are not actually there. So like the Antichrist, the word Antichrist is actually not found in the book of Revelation. The, oh the, book, the word rapture is not found in the book of Revelation. So 
that's a great that's that's a great start for us here today, Josh, because <laughs> sometimes we come to the book of Revelation thinking like this is like the secret decoder ring. There was a there was a so that you can find out just now. As soon as you said no antichrist in the book of Revelation, like, like oh, yeah. five more people, yeah, yeah. So like you have to be aware that the book is written for a reason, and it was written also for people in the first century, and not just people who lived after Israel became a state in 1948. <laughs> like, <laughs> so um, theologians will know where I'm going with that. Uh, anyway, a Revelation, four points, and then we're done. Number one, the book of Revelation is, Revelation is about what is most real. And I, I want you to think about that. What you see outside your door seems real, but there is a reality behind the reality. And that's what Revelation is about. Revelation invites us out of just what we can see and hear and smell, touch and taste, if you will, in our present realm and to look beyond it. The word Revelation comes from the Greek uh, I don't know where it actually comes from. This doesn't. Uh, the word revelation in Greek is apocalypto or apocalypse, uh, apocalypse, and uh, it means to unveil, to pull the curtain back. So, uh, politically, in John's day, when Revelation was originally penned in AD, I would say eighty or ninety, right? Uh, Nero is on the throne. Uh, Christians are getting killed left, right, and center, just like in Nigeria right now. Um, Christians are suffering, their rights are being stripped away, there's anti-Christian sentiment all over the Roman Empire, and politically it looks like Caesar is in charge and Christians have no hope. But Revelation is an invitation. It's an invitation to pull back the curtain. Remember the great movie, The Wizard of Oz? Remember that movie? Oh, yeah. And at the end, they get to the, the, the point where this wizard just keeps letting them down, will not send poor Dorothy back home. And what, is, what happens? Little Toto, the dog, comes over to the curtain and pulls the curtain back from behind, <laughs> from, from, <laughs> from where the uh, wizard is hiding there, the little guy, the little, the little old guy there with the uh, microphone. And uh, what does he say? Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. That's what Satan wants to say to you. Pay no attention to me. Pay no, I'm not real. In fact, that's like a great old uh, Keith Green song from the 1970s. Nobody believes in me anymore. It was basically Satan saying, the, the best thing I got going for me today is no one actually thinks I exist. And so now I can deceive the nations and nobody thinks it's me. And so Revelation is saying, no, these things are real. These things matter. There is a spiritual realm. There are angels. There are demons. There is a fight right now happening in the heavenlies. And the reason why you feel certain ways, the reason why you have mental illness in some cases, the reason why you are depressed, the reason why you feel hopeless is not necessarily because of what you can see, touch, taste, smell, and hear, but what you can't see, touch, taste, smell, and hear. And those things are revealed or unveiled in the book of Revelation. We are in a battle. We are in a battle for our faith. We are in a battle for our lives. We are in a battle for the gospel witness to our culture about Jesus. And don't think for one second the Satan's going to be like, well, I guess they're serious. I'll take it easy on them. He will ramp up that pressure. And that's what Revelation is about. It's an invitation to take a look at what is actually most real. So that's what I have here. In Revelation invites us to have our reality interpreted by what is ultimately real. All right? Number two, Revelation is about Jesus. Like, like the rest of the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. So this, this brings up the points of what Revelation is not. Number one, Revelation is not your personal end times secret decoder ring. <laughs> so, okay. Oh, that happened. That must be uh, Revelation chapter four over there. You know, <laughs> oh, that happened over there. So that must be Reve that must be uh, the seventh trumpet. The bulls and the, the horns. Yeah, the judgment. The, the beast and the woman. And we will talk about what those things mean. Mm. I mean God help me. <laughs> uh, revelation is not the means by which you identify how your least favorite politician is actually the Antichrist. So, bad news, Democrats. <laughs> Donald Trump may not be the Antichrist. Bad news, Republicans. Barack Obama may not be the Antichrist. Like I said, the word Antichrist does not exist in the book of Revelation. It actually exists in 1 John. People don't know that. Who is the book for? The book is for us. And so number three, the re revelation is meant for sharing. That, that the Lord comes to John on the island of Patmos uh, 
shortly after he is exiled there for his Christian faith, he's suffering for Christ, and Jesus comes and visits John and says, I want you to write some things down. I'm going to show you some things, and I want you to share this with my servants. And so uh, we've got to talk about Revelation. Interesting little factoid, I think, uh, polls have been done about this. The number one book that church people want their pastor to preach on is Revelation. Revelation. But bad news. The least desired to be preached on book by pastors <laughs> is Revelation. Is Revelation. <laughs> so we are at an more, impasse. More than Leviticus. More than Leviticus. More than Leviticus. Ooh, I on. guess this is the least popular book for pastors to preach, but I'm not your average pastor. Mm. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking some serious ground here. We're going to talk about it. You know what else is meant for sharing? The Deep End Podcast. So make sure you're sharing this, everybody. Let people know about it. Great plug. Oh, yeah. Great we're plug. We're going to be digging into this revelation <laughs> stuff. And we're going to share it. So that's what Jesus says. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which, or what John says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. Okay. Verse 3. Revelation, or number 4 on our list here, is revelation is meant to bless. So... Here's what it says in verse 3 of Revelation chapter 1. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Uh, Revelation is meant to be shared, friends. And we want you to, like he said, share the Deep End podcast post on Facebook. Get the word out. Tell people to tune in. Come on, get it going. Let them know that you're watching, and we want them to watch too, because we're going to go through this path. We're going to go through this book. We're going to talk about what it means for us today. In our age. Uh, but notice the word blessed. Blessed is the one who reads it. Blessed is those who hear. And blessed are those who keep what is written in the book of Revelation. Don't be scared of Revelation. Don't be afraid of the imagery such as the beast, the dragon, the horror of Babylon, famine, death, Hades, the guillotine, blood, locusts, all those things. <laughs> it's imagery. And uh, it is... Um, it is a genre. It is an ancient genre of literature called uh, apocalyptic literature. We're going to talk about all of that, and we're going to start talking about this in two weeks. So uh, this today is an introduction to the new Deep End format. It's an introduction to the new studio. We're excited about this. Oh, yeah. It's an introduction to what's coming up for the 2018-2019 season of the Deep End. Um, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. We will see you in two weeks. Thanks for joining us on the deep end.